what is the Chicago voice? What is the Chicago site? The Chicago voice on paper, the Chicago voice in print, the Chicago voice in your ears. Is it really all about John put his hand in the fish tank as some of the so-called experts of diction are trying to suggest on YouTube? Or is it something else, a sensibility? There's another voice I want you to know about, and many of you do already. Peter V. Bella, a friend of ours, friend of this show. You've heard him here on the Chicago Way podcast. He's written for John Cass News. Longtime police officer, 30 years in the business. A photographer. A photographer of exquisite Chicago scenes. Peter V. Bella, fine art photography. And he's got a show at the Dime Gallery, 1500 Northwestern. So you can go get your chocolate soda from Margie's and head on over to the show. Tony Fitzpatrick, the Chicago artist, is helping organize that. And he's our guest. As always, Jeff Carlin is here, as always. Executive producer, WGN Radio, master of cats and husband of Christine. And Christine, we all love you, and we're thinking about you every day. And I'm John Cass, husband, father, editor of John Cass News, writing at least one column a week now. Let's see if uh, if it can continue. Rehabbing after, you know, a stroke and... Uh, Quadruple bypass is not as easy as I thought it would be. (laughs) But we get by with a little help from our friends. And so, where are you? You're on the Chicago Way on WGN+. Plus. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog, and he has this Tammany Hall-style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago way, absolutely. Look, the, the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way, that's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Okay, I've got one thing to say to you, everyone out there. John put his hand in the fish tank. This is how you tell if you have a Chicago accent or not. I guess people fake it and try to have like a fake, overly done Chicago accent. But the guy who's our guest, Peter V. Bella, the former cooking cop, uh, photographer, par excellence, and subject of a Rick Hogan profile in the Chicago Tribune, and that that alone got me to open up the Tribune for once is fantastic. And and uh, Peter B. Bella, 
Congratulations. Welcome back to the Chicago Way, and congratulations on your great art show, your great photography show. Where, where, where are we having it at the, where is it again? The, uh, the Dime Gallery, 1513 Northwestern. The Dime Gallery, and if you go there with uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick, famous Sox fan uh, and artist who's uh, put this show together, uh, what will people see? Um, there's about 18 photographs of various places and people in Chicago, all black and white. The, the name of the exhibition is Chicago in black and white. And it's a combination of photographs going back 14 years and a few of them through the um, pandemic when I was going out for my daily walk. And, and for pe- people who aren't aware, Peter's stuff is great. I mean, my I share it with my wife all the time and show, show her your stuff on social media. But Peter's the guy who can wander through a neighborhood and spot a hundred interesting li- little angles or you know art art pieces or a piece of architecture or some flowers. I mean, this guy sees the world differently than all of us, and it's fun to look at your stuff and see that perspective because most of us are either too busy or just are their heads down or in the clouds like me, and you don't see this stuff. Pete, what is it like? What, what, what do you what, do? You feel like you see the world different? I don't know if I see it different. I just um, maybe twisted. <laughs> well, I, I am a little twisted. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm looking around, just like when I was a cop. I'm just looking around, and I'm looking for something that's visually interesting. Sometimes I'll just sit somewhere, you know, like I'm somewhere on Michigan Avenue or, or um, some other street if they have a place to sit, watch people go by. Um, that's how I got a great shot. Of, it's, it's it's also going to be in the exhibition. Um, I have a great shot of the walking man. Oh, um, yeah. Um, it's probably, yeah. and it's a it's a real nice close-up. Um, he has a face, doesn't he? Or he had, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one the one with Margie's, the only reason I shot that was because the only time I was, walked by there and there was nobody standing outside in front. It was just perfectly just mm-hmm. empty. Um, and plus the fact it's relevant because Peter just died. Yeah. Um, and his son, his son's taking it over, so they're not going to close. That's um, good to know. My my sons went over the other day thinking they could get in. Uh, it was like on a Saturday, like at eight o'clock <laughs> after dinner. And I, I'm like, yeah, you like a, a couple of morons. You guys think you're going to get in Margie's? And they 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 call. They reported back. The line was, you know, around the block. And I'm like, of course, it's Margie's Candies on a Saturday night. What do you think? <laughs> so it's good. Yeah. It's good that they're. It's good that uh, they're going to keep it open. That's good. And then I have a few. I have a experimental piece. I'm not going to go into because it's more of a surprise. Ah, okay. Yeah, some of them go back. You know, like I said, almost 14 years, and some of them are more recent. But um, I don't look for anything in particular. Sometimes, you know, I I, I really started to get into it when I was shooting a protest downtown, uh-huh. and I'd be walking back and forth you know, to the L or whatever. And I started seeing all these interesting things, these various plaques uh, commemorating whatever happened at that address years ago and stuff. And I started doing that. And then um, uh, I started roaming through the city's neighborhoods. You know, I've gone all, all throughout the whole city, just about. Sure. And, you know, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of um, fascinating things. 
Well, you you've also been a walking tour master at yeah. the Dre House Museum. I mean, what taking people on walks of, of, of history. It's always been uh, part of your thing, part of your interest. But yeah. people should know that you've also been in. You know, you've, we've mentioned you've been a Chicago police officer, and many of those years. You were an evidence technician, so you were yeah. taking photographs of where the photographs came in. You were yeah. taking photographs of of uh, mayhem at, at and at people's worst days and moments, and usually the end of times for them. Mm-hmm. Um, how was it? How was that? How was that? How do you separate that from the rest of your life? Well, I worked about ten, thirteen years before that. Yeah. In- all those neighborhoods like Wandale, Little Village, Tulsa. So I just, I mean, I already saw a lot of the mayhem. Right. And, you know, it, it's its photographing. It was no problem after that. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. Um, except, you know, it's like like I told Rick, um, you know, you get the, the people, the most vulnerable, it's the kids, maybe the, mm-hmm. the seniors. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that, that kind of like bothers you a little bit, but. I mean, if if you've already seen it before, you know, putting a camera to it, it's not it's not that big of a deal. I, I don't know why, Peter. I I cannot get the first hom- my first homicide out of my mind ever, and the names the name haunts me to to this day. Carlene Gutierrez, sixteen ninety nine sixteen South U- Ewing Avenue. I mean, I I I just can't get get over it. I can't get over the old timey. Copper, putting the Vic, Vicks vapor rub on my lip, everything. It was just, it's not like the movies, Pete, right? You know that. It's not like no, and, and you got to remember, that was back in the day when they let you guys get close. Yeah. Right. I mean, you don't get anywhere near there today. No, because you could screw up a t- crime scene. Yeah, you know, unless you get there first. Right. And Peter, do you think that it has informed? I mean, it, take people back. I mean, you, I, I, I want to joke, but you're kind of a, a photographer with a police or police uh, uh, job, right? Or a police uh, side job. I mean, it sounds like from what you were telling Rick is that photography has always been something you were interested in, something you thought was you know unique or a good way to express yourself or see the world. But it, does does the the violence and the trauma and the things you saw as a, an officer kind of give you the the a push or, or to see the opposite side of things. I mean, because your stuff is not, it tells a good story and it tells a unique history and there's always some cool piece to it. Is there a dichotomy there between those two aspects of your life? You know, I never gave it a thought, um, Jeff. I, um, I just started doing what I do when, like I said, I, I you know, I really enjoy going out and, and, and shooting and finding good. I mean, you know, I can go out and shoot 30, 40 pictures and maybe only keep seven. Sure. Um, that I think. And I, I I never really gave a great thought to it. I never thought I'd be in a, this position <laughs> I'm in right now, having a having a art show. Well, take me to like, you know, what's the mentality of shooting at the police scene, I imagine, is, is, is shooting everything, right? You want to get every angle of every possibility. And maybe I'm wrong on that. I, I honestly don't know. Well, it all depends if you get there before the detectives we you know we start shooting wait for the detectives to get there okay um then they guide you to what they want mm-hmm. um and 
you know, then you just finish processing the scene and leave. Sure. Um, but usually, yeah, usually you work with the detectives on that because they know what they want. And, um, you know, you have to be careful because the stuff, you know, photographing for that, you're going to be in court. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see those photographs again. Right. Um, so you have to be prepared to explain whatever questions that the both sides of the attorneys have about those photographs. You know, doing what I do, it's I don't have to explain it to anybody now. It's just... Well, now that you're going to have a photo gallery up, you might have to. People are going to be asking you, what's about what's about this one? And what's about that one? So they got to come up with something. I'm pretty prepared for that because I, <laughs> I, I, I um, Tony picked out the pictures. I did. Okay. Um, are there any pictures in there about liver sausage? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no my God. Sausage. I'm not going. What? You're, you're the authority on liver sausage in Chicago. The authority on eating the liver sausage sandwiches. And you didn't yeah, but, think to include a, a love note to the uh, perfect uh, salt and fat concoction? <laughs> I don't think it'd be look too good in black and white, Jack. <laughs> that's, more of a, that's more of a color thing. <laughs> that's great. What's your favorite photo you think in the gallery you're putting up? Or not favorite, but the one that you're, that you're most proud of the secret favorite i mean you know you don't have favorite children but maybe you have a favorite, favorite photograph i have two actually um one is the walking man sure yeah. because mm-hmm. he was so hard to photograph because he he has six cents about cameras if you were close mm-hmm. he turned yeah turn right. and the other one is a diptych it's um two pictures um there's a performance artist it comes to my neighborhood at one of the squares uh, bubble Lady Linda, and she creates these huge bubble creations, and all the kids come up around. And I caught one um, where there's this rather large bubble, and there's the kid standing there smiling, and he punctures it. And then the next one I caught, and all you see is the busted water and the kid jumping up and down. <laughs> um, and so those are my two favorite. I, it, um, I I like them equally. Do you seek out stuff like that? I mean, or are you just wandering and, and just well, across it, things? Usually when I go to Lincoln Square, I'd be going over sure. to get a little snack or something, and I'd sit there or, or just sit there in the day. Uh, but she's there on the weekends. Yeah. The, uh, the streetscapes, the Chicago streetscapes, like that bubble lady and all the other stories you you do, I mean, they're quintessentially Chicago. You, like, if you're if you're from here, if you know the city, you feel that you feel that in the photographs. You feel that it's not some guy coming from out of town who's <laughs> setting something up like that. He, you know, like Chicago hot dog or something. You know, like some nonsense. No, but this is something real. Yeah, there's a photo in there of a very very old kind of a broken rundown. Good humor truck. And, you know, I, I don't know if you're old enough, Jeff, but John and I remember uh, the good humor, man. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and it's on the street. It's over on a side street. It was coming down. Um, and that's real Chicago, too. And, and you know, it's, and John, you kind of tapped to it. There, you know, you, Peter, you're really good at capturing like, the ethos of, of Chicago, and, and you've got this, you know, aspirational view of things because it's, it's beauty and everyday stuff. 
do you, I mean, what's, what's your mission statement? I mean, do you, do you, do you, are you trying to tell us the history? Or are you just out there having fun and see just cool things? I mean, I, I just feel like everything I see from you just adds to the story of Chicago and it's another, you know, and I interpret everything. And you said, you don't describe it. You don't really you know give us anything other than, well, this is where I was when I shot this. Do you feel like there's a, there's something you're, you're you're trying to show. I mean, is there something you're you're coming after? I mean, a lot of people and artists will say, I'm, "I'm trying to reach the truth of whatever you know, whatever that is." Is there something there for Peter Bella? No, I just um, it's what I find interesting. Sure. In, in Chicago, there's a lot of interesting things in Chicago, yeah. and people do a lot of interesting things. There or um, they create um, a lot of interesting. Th- for example, um. Uh, last year during the fall, um, I was walking down and a guy had a baseball glove and inside the baseball glove was a small pumpkin. (laughs) It was designed, painted white with the red seams, the whole nine yards Uh just on the front porch. And it really was just such a cool shot. But no, I, I just share the photographs because that's what I did that day. It's what I found interesting that day. I never really gave it a lot of thought, especially during the pandemic. That's when I shared. That's when I shared the most photographs. Yeah, I think. yeah, definitely. In my daily walks, and you know, I live in a great neighborhood. It's and, the beer, and the beer, huh? and the yeah. beer, and the beer, and the beer. I've seen those photographs with the beautiful, the perfect beer after a long day. And it just makes me want to, you know, drink it right away. I just have to. <laughs> By my little office away from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. There's one thing I do have to ask you about, and that is, uh, this is a great endeavor. The uh, the photo shoot at um, and the uh, the photo show at the the Dime Gallery, fifteen hundred Northwestern. But um, we got to make. I, I've always wondered why Peter Bella is not the voice of Chicago. Why don't you have an agent booking you as the voice of Chicago on every damn commercial in this town? <laughs> every, I mean, Jeff, you're in the sound business. What the bleep? <laughs> yeah, why, you do, you do why have is it, good pipes. Why isn't he doing this? Come on. Have you been approached by this or for this or no. did we blow it? See, Jeff, we blew it. <laughs> what the heck? I can do sausage commercials. You can only do sausage. Anything involving Chicago, anything involving the Midwest. You know, like uh, John put his hand in the fish tank or something like that. Whatever it is, you can see you know, this the, fish tank. There was a, there was something. Uh, <laughs> Right before you came on, there was I've, I was looking for an article by the great linguist John McWhorter, who was who had written something like "Why they talk like that? Why did they talk like that in the movies? Like in the old days, where you'd like William Frawley and people like that would say, you know, would be like play um, newspaper men, and they would talk like, and and she fought off the the, the attacker. See. You know, they would always say, see, what what the hell that meant. <laughs> and uh, why did they talk like that was the theme of his, uh, his uh, essay. And I was looking for it, and I couldn't find it. And they were 
two morons who were talking about John, sticking John's hand in the fish tank to uh. illustrate the bowels. But it was like fake, like overdone, you know, like a like it like John Belushi pretending to be a Chicagoan, right? Even though I guess he is some somehow. But all that is, you know, it, it's overdone. It, just simplicity is what Peter Bell is all about, you know? Natural. Natural Chicago. That's all I meant. That's all I meant by it. <laughs> And it's true, Pete. I mean, doesn't some of that come from your your beginnings? I mean, you talk about you know your first first photo shoots at a friend's wedding, and then working for an agency who was looking for street scenes. Uh, speak to that a little bit, because that sounds like how did you get into that? Well, what happened was working for the agency started after I retired, mm-hmm. and I had a friend who was a syndicator out on um, in the Washington Beltway. Uh-huh. <laughs> And they were always looking for pictures because, you know, all these government people travel. And they were looking for what they call stock photography. Yeah. Um, they sometimes give me a list. And I just go out and shoot. And then um, I started shooting the protests. And that's when I got hooked up with a couple of small agencies in Europe. And then um, through one of the agencies, um, Espresso, which is a media conglomerate in Northern Italy got a hold of me and I did stock photography for them because, you know, in the magazine business, everything's three to four months out. Mm -hmm. And it was usually during the time when the Italians were going on holiday and they'd be traveling. So they went different shots of Chicago and stuff like that. Um, And then uh, I just kept doing it for a while until the uh, business went upside down. They all got bought out, and um, sure. the royalties weren't there. Um, the, the what they call yeah. the Microsoft companies don't pay the higher royalties than the other agencies did, and they also don't pay a per dim because sometimes they got paid by the day plus the royalties for the photo. Um, so it, it just it just wasn't worth to do that anymore. Yeah, I know um, that people are are really. Photographers, particularly, are, are incensed at the internet. Some are, uh, where, where people take their photographs and put them up as if they took them themselves. Uh, I use for John Cass News. I use two two agencies like um, Wikimedia Commons and Shutterstock for stock photography. And I don't like any of it. Yeah. It's not. It's not really that good. Like I, I really want. I really want Getty Images, but I, I can't afford it. Yeah, it's, it's not expensive. Yeah. yeah, right. So, well, you know, it, it, it's it's tough, and, and and there's a lot of, um, you know, I already, I uh, some years back, I caught a, uh, somebody who used one of my images for their um, online publication, mm. and we had a rather charming back and forth email (laughs) um and they wound up taking it down and they found something else and um i i know somebody else who um she'd been in photo business for years decades and part of her income is tracking down people using her photographs and she goes after them and she gets paid yeah um, so it's a, it's a real issue, especially now since it's so easy 
to um to download a photograph, any photograph off the internet and, yeah, and then right. pop it up there. You got um, well now you got to worry about our AI is just making photos out of whole cloth and just being taking well, that's photos. something new coming in and I haven't looked into that yet. No, I, I, I worry for a lot of people who do stuff like what you're doing, but even people who are are, are grinding out a business out of it that it's gonna be almost impossible to to keep up with that stuff. Some of the stuff they're doing now is just not even photography. It's like magic. It's, it's well, they have, there's some that say I where you could say, um, uh, I want a picture of Jeff Carlin, a la Michelangelo. Right. And the AI will do that. And but the issue with that is, I mean, is, you know, especially now in our modern age, you could say, well, I want, you know, uh, an image of uh, John Cass a la Art Shea. Mm-hmm. And give me that. Well, now is that copyright infringement? Right. You know, because, I mean, his estate owns his all his, his rights. Um. So, yeah, it's it's really getting into the realm. And I have to start exploring that a little bit just for my own satisfaction. I got to find out who owns my columns, my you know, I'm the one who wrote them, but do I own them? Like, did I, do I own the columns that I wrote in the Tribune, or can they do whatever they want with them? I don't know. It depends on, and the only reason I know this is because um, there's a famous mus- music photographer who successfully sued Oprah Winfrey, and he won. Um, it depends on your terms of employment. Yeah. And you'd have to ask a lawyer about that. Uh, last, last thing I want to do is <laughs> right is uh, ask a lawyer about that. I'm still pissed off about why they came after me to write about my sumptuous home with the sumptuous wood floors. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got to stop over there and uh, go, go to Margie's Candies and then uh, fortify ourselves for a <laughs> a, tr- a trip down. You know. The, the photographs, one that I saw in uh, Rick Hogan's excellent piece on you was, uh, let's see, it was it was a picture of a CTA, yeah, it was a CTA, um, like a hallway. A oh, that's the, uh, that's the uh, North and Clyburn L yeah, station. Right. Yeah. And it's just, and there's a guy, I don't know, there's some form that's huddled, huddled against the wall in the background. And uh, you, you always wonder, like, what is that guy's story? What is he doing? And then I'm, then it got me to think of all the other people that I've seen on the L, like the the ferret mm-hmm. guy, you know, the ferret guy in the violin, and you think you, you really you really hang out with that smelly ferret full of fleas. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, you know that guy I'm talking about? He's on, uh, he used to be on uh, in um, Logan Square when I used to go home, you know, on the way home. Yeah. On the blue line. In the blue line. I don't know what, what's going on there now. What What do you think, Peter? Do you think what's the future of human beings on the L, CTA? Is there a future? Given I don't know. I've been pretty... Um, crime and stuff? Yeah. On the L, I've been pretty lucky. Waiting for buses, not so lucky. And I, I, you know, and I've read some of the stories where, you know, 
The homeless have taken over the elves. They're not clean anymore. Ever since the pandemic, everything's sort of fallen apart. Um, and I, I really don't know. I, you know, I don't know why the CTA leadership is still there and they haven't been fired. <laughs> for what yeah. is. I mean, when you have, it's not just a few people screaming and it's not just, you know, a newspaper article or a news item. It's like, a lot of people who take that who rely on public transportation are fed up. What uh, about the girl? What about girls trying to get like a girl trying to go to Loyola from, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, Roseland, you know, she's on the, on the train for two hours just to get to class and then has some guy assault her, assault her sexually. And that's, that goes on all the time. Yeah. So here's, here's a question for you, gentlemen. Where are the feminists to complain about? No, I'm sure they're there, John. I'm sure they're complaining, but I are mean, you hearing anything? Uh, maybe newspapers I mean, they, don't cover it. Yeah, well, that, that I haven't seen the, that that as much as the coverage from actual media sources. I mean, it did. I, you know, I, I don't think these are all like mostly one-offs. They're not prevalent. It's not like um, these are being reported every single day, and it's a, a focus mm-hmm. just on women. Because if it was, you better believe there'd be shouting and screaming from the from the streets all the way up to the high towers. But they are women, you know. Like okay. I read CWB every day since the newspapers, neither paper covers crime the right. shit. And uh, CWB is an excellent resource. But you know, they, they just had a story the other day about a parolee uh, attacking a woman, then attacking another woman the next day. Yeah, I, I'm trying. Sorry to to use you guys as illustrators for what I'm trying to do as a column, but you know I'm a writer and you can't trust me. Sure. I'm always evil. Well, John, I mean, you know the number two is a lot of stuff doesn't get reported. I mean, I mean even the woman in the first case you were talking about, she didn't even wasn't didn't stick around for the police to file a report. She took yeah, off and. And that's, I mean, that's, everything's just so dysfunctional. And and the perception there is that it's dangerous. And the CTA will tell you, you know, they have millions of writers every day or whatever, a million writers every day. And, you know, they only have reports of one, less than 1% of the, of the people report something, which, which those numbers are, are fudged. You can't believe anything from that. I mean, the people don't report stuff. Stuff does, gets misreported. I mean, you, you, lots of things happen illegally that, that no one knows or cares about. So it it is at times just scary as hell and you know like you said it's a lifeline for the city and they're they're struggling but but we've got a leadership who's making six figures and won't testify or come on talk to people before city hall and oh yeah that was that was that was cute um yeah you know it's gonna take it's gonna take one bad case that's gonna get the real publicity yeah um and somebody will eventually wake up um i hope you're right you know, they, well, is it fair to ask? And I'm gonna. I'm sitting down to write now. Yeah. Is it fair to ask Mayor Johnson? Would you put your? Would you let your daughter ride the ride the CTA? Is that I fair? don't know. Because I I'm I'm of two minds. That a you know he's the mayor. He's not responsible for everything. But b he is the mayor and he's responsible. I don't know. Right, I don't know right. how to deal with it. Yeah, it, it's it's what. With any of our past mayors, especially the last yeah. three, you can ask them the same question. Yeah. Um, 
I do know that marriage because I, I just read this. He drives his one kid to the school because he goes all the way in the south side. I mean, I I ride DL yet, um, yeah. you know, and and um, but usually when I ride is it's during the slower times of the day, um, and and the worst I've ever seen is just you know mentally unstable people having their little incidents and um, yelling and screaming or whatever. But I, you know, I've never seen any violence on the L. Right. Uh, as a passenger. Sure. Uh, or the buses. Uh, I've, I've seen it. Uh, and it's not, not fun. I mean, you're, you're don't want to step in and then get involved because it's just going to escalate or you're, you know, you're in a confined and you're space. You're a bouncer. Yeah, you're, you're right. people should know you're a bouncer. You're not like some little wallflower, <laughs> right? And so it's 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 a situation where you don't want to be involved. You don't want you don't know what's going on. And it's advice. My advice to people would be if, if you do ride near the front, ride in busy during you know the the traditional rush hours or between you know in the middle of the day. But I wouldn't be there after after five o'clock if you could avoid it on on the red line for sure. Um, speaking of advice. Peter, you know, the, the city's struggling to get cops, and we, we know that there's uh, quite an image issue that they're dealing with, and, and recruiting is harder because of it. What is What would be your advice you'd, you'd give to someone, or, or to, to reforming or selling the idea of being a, a Chicago cop, or to someone who wants to be a Chicago cop? Boy, that's a tough one these days. Yeah. Um, some years back, you know, I, I had my younger my my actually my cousin's children they wanted to go into law enforcement and i would tell them you know go work for the feds mm-hmm. um uh or go work for the state police today i don't know i you know i've been so far removed i've been retired over 16 years yeah and all i know is what i read in the newspapers or on the news sites that i follow um well, I mean, the, what, what were the positive things to you? I mean, obviously, you saw a lot of terrible stuff, I'm sure. But what what was the stuff that that transcended well, some of that? That you can have my downturns. I never got laid off. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Hey, nothing wrong well, with that. I mean, when I got on the police department, it was uh, 1978, and you know, John, I remember in the mid 70s, there was a, a recession and mm-hmm. people were getting laid off. Right. Um, Oil recession. Even the auto industry would get temporarily shut down. Um, and, you know, I think only once Mayor Burns threatened to lay off police officers, but that didn't last very long. Um, and it was, I, I had friends that um, when I was in college who got on the police department and, you know, they come back and tell stories and it seemed like an exciting job. Um, so I just did it. And, uh, you know, uh, I really don't have anything to regret about it. Um, you know, it fed my, fed me and my family all these years. Um, but, but there's some sort of upside. I mean, you know, we're seeing the city and being in all the different neighborhoods and being out there. I mean, there, there's got to be a, some sort of upside. I'm, I'm dra- grasping at straws here, Peter. I want to, and so am I because I, I, you know, I don't think, there, you know, Hollywood put up this whole big thing about how great the police were to all these police shows and stuff like that. They were yeah. always in the art world, in the 
media art world. Mm-hmm. And it made her look like a romantic jet. And you don't right. see that that much anymore. Uh, there's not that many television programs. There's not that much media. Mm. Um, most of the time, wh- whatever stuff you see, um, you- you're seeing, you know, where the police made mistakes. Right. Um, I'm not talking about the, even the big mistakes. You know, um, you read, you know, oh, we have the video of this and, you know, we're going to give this police officer six months off. Well, who, that does not make this not an appealing thing to future recruitment. Right. You know, it's sort of like the military recruiting, you know, they don't show you pictures of combat soldiers lying dead on the field. Mm. You know, they show you all the cool stuff you can do in the military. Um, you know, they, 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 they try to romanticize it, whether it's right. the army, the Marine Corps, Navy, air force, whatever, you know, you don't see the, you don't see a air force pilot, you know, ejecting out of his jet. Right. Um, after his, you know, his, in his burning plane fall, they don't, they don't show you that. Um, and it's the same thing. There's, I, I think there's, they're just really not appealing to the younger people. And I think younger people have a different view than we did. Um, especially John and I, when we were growing up. Um, and I don't think they're, they're really into public service as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I, you know, I don't know if the fire department's having trouble recruiting. I should ask my neighbor. He's a fireman, but, um, but also it's not just, it's not just recruiting the stray, you know, youth, but it's also like dealing with the spouses. Cause I, I know for a fact, I've said this myself to young police officers, like, Hey, Mr. Cass, I'm like, stay in your car. Don't ever get out of your car or I'll call your dad. You know, I tell, and I know they're getting that from their girlfriends and their wives. Stay in the car. Don't get out ever. You know, don't put us in jeopardy. Don't put our family in jeopardy by getting out of that car and getting involved. Now, that's the police. They have to get involved. Their job is to get involved. The conflict between these, for these young officers is intense. And on top of that, you don't have, you have, uh, Kim Fox doing her thing, which is not, you know, I, I guess uh, Chase of Boudin, you know, let's not prosecute uh, criminals. And the whole thing goes to hell. And that's the tough part about being a police officer today. Well, that's a whole other story. And that's that's the politics. And, you know, and the police department's always been a political job anyway. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, the, was it easy cop. to be an Italian cop in Chicago in those days when you started? Uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, sort of like being a Greek cop back then. Yeah, right. There's only but, a couple. But, but they have a very Greek strong organization. The yeah. Greek American Police Association is very strong. Um, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I just think that they have to, they haven't figured out a way to appeal to these younger people to that it's a it's a worthwhile it's a worthwhile job um you know a lot of us i mean when i came on and, and, and a lot of people i came on with and the ones a few years before you know we all came from blue collar families and it's basically it's a blue collar job or more of a blue blue collar profession let's put it that way sure yeah um well i mean and you can't i mean the money's terrific now oh god yeah um 
you know, you're making uh, close to seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year within the first few years uh, on the police department. It, it, it's kind of hard to turn down, but yeah, I we just, also have to work eighteen days straight in the summer and deal with uh, getting hit in the head with a bottle full of frozen urine and you know all that but, crap that goes with it these days. But that was, you know, how about Terry's daughter? How about Terry's daughter the other day? Came home from her shift. Just That's like right, her, yeah. Right? Yeah. Terry Hilliard, former. I thought, it was, I thought it was kind of funny, though, because he started yelling and screaming. And if I if I read it right or heard it right on the news, they stopped what they were doing. They apologized and ran away. <laughs> so now we have we have polite, violent criminals roaming our streets. <laughs> um, uh, That's crazy. I, I don't know the story, guys. I missed it. What was the story? Uh, former superintendent uh, Terry Hillard, mm-hmm. who lives in a nice middle upper middle class neighborhood, his daughter was coming home from work. She's a police officer. She's a sergeant. Yeah, she uh, her uniform was partly covered, and they tried to rob her or carjack her or something. He heard the commotion. He ran out and started screaming at him, and uh, they all they they ran away. But they apologized before they left. Jeez. Because he knew him, probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's been gone a while. Yes. Um, wow, that is crazy. I mean, I remember he, he got was, was a paintball attack a couple years ago too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was craziness was going on. How stupid did you have to be to, to try to drive around town hitting people with a fake gun in one of the most gun laden cities in the country? That's a bad idea. Yeah, never understood the power of stupid people in large groups. That was George Carlin. Stay out of stay out of crowds. That's my my. Yeah, no joke. Well, Peter, uh, I, the show sounds fun and it's a cool shop too. Tony Fitzpatrick. I mean, for those who aren't Chicagoans and know or may not know, but one of the a great uh, graphic artist type drawing. I mean, you've, you've I'm sure you've seen people are familiar if they see it, but it's uh it kind of andy warhol ask if you will but it's really cool stuff a lot way of beyond andy warhol, man. oh yeah 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 but he's trying to explain to people he is an absolute monster when it comes to work oh yeah. my gosh and he produces just, stuff every day and I, I just wanted to do a shout out because and i told the same thing to rick you know he does this for a lot of artists mm-hmm. and um uh he's always got a show going and he's building an army of artists. And this is what he's yeah. doing. Some of them are young. Some of them are middle-aged. Um, but he's building up this army of artists. And they're all various people from all walks of life. And it's something we need right now. You know, we need more art in this world. And and, yeah. and, and you need more art in our lives. I mean, you know, and, um, um, you know, he's our general now. <laughs> You got a good general there. That's for sure. Well, Peter, thanks for being here on the Chicago way. And thank you for having me. Thanks for just being a good friend for all these years. And, uh, thanks for introducing me to Gene's sausage (laughs) shop. Gene's is my favorite place to to shop. (laughs) We'll give them a plug. Where are they at? Oh, Gene's Lincoln square. You know that. No, no. I'm from Chicago. Come on. I, I <laughs> give listeners who aren't. I can't remember the exact address. They're on um they're on Lincoln Avenue, 
south of Lawrence, um, between Lawrence and Giddings. There you go, right in the heart of because Square. there's a big cow hanging over the doorway. <laughs> it's a cool shop. It's, yeah, it's and I'm not a meat guy. It's it's a, it's fun just to wander through, see some really cool stuff in there, stuff from Europe. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Peter, Peter, Peter uh, website petervbella.com. People can check you out there too. No, um, I have a new website up. Um, it's Peter V. Bella Fine Art Photography. Oh, look oh, at you stepping out. out. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, we just, um, we I launched it um, last, over the weekend. And oh. um, uh, so I have some, I have more black and white photography on there. Um, and, and what's the address again? Peter V. Bella Fine Art Photography. Got it. Cool. I'll check it out. And uh, Peter, thanks so much. Uh, always love connecting with you. And we got to do one of these days, John. We got to get out and do a diners tour with Peter. Go to some of our favorites. We've been talking about that for. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But when, you know what? Now, that, mad, now that my heart's been cleaned out, yeah, maybe John I can go back and try and see stuff. You know, he, we can bring him along. And he can watch us and draw. <laughs> every every good diner has a fruit plate. Come on, we'll get him that. A little cottage cheese on the side. I'm looking at Peter V. Bella Fine Arts Photography. I'm looking at it right now. Very cool. Has all the information about the show. Um, and uh, all of Peter's prints are up there. You can look at well, I don't know if all of them, but a lot of them are up there. And it's some really cool stuff. You gotta get do yourself a favor and check it out. Peter V. Bella FineArtPhotography.com. And we'll have it up in the link, a link in the podcast if you go to the WGN radios page. But and of course we'll tweet it out. Yeah, I'm there and I'm looking at it. It's beautiful, Peter. Thank awesome. you. Very cool. All right, Pete. Well, until next time, and I swear, one of these days we're gonna do the diner tour in, in drag. And you and I were for years we go to have um breakfast or lunch at Pauline's. Yes, we do. One of the uh, life is is it keeps getting in the way, Peter. I know. I know it's happened to me many times. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm looking at this picture and I see it's like beautiful flowers. And then what's on what's behind it. Fine art photography. It's like black and white. And I look and I'm seeing a nail, like a claw of something. That's <laughs> chicken, chicken feet. <laughs> what? Chicken feet. Ch- the artistic chicken foot. Well, there's a, I, you also overlooked there's a, okay, a rosary. Yeah, I'm going out for that one. <laughs> well, for people, people who want to see what we're, check, we're talking about, check them out. Peter V. Bella, fineartphotography.com. Thanks again, Peter. Thanks, Thanks Peter. Guys. All right. For Peter V. Bella of Peter V. Bella Fine Arts Photography, the former cooking cop police officer, evidence technician. I can't tell you how many things he's done. And for Jeff Carlin and for me, John Cass. And we'll see you again next time on another edition of the Chicago Way Podcast on WGN+.